Hello, and welcome to Business Bites, the new Denton's podcast series. Here we offer short, insightful episodes you can listen to on demand whenever and wherever you like. Sharing insights from across multiple markets, Business Bites takes a look at the solutions that help address the challenges companies are currently facing. In short, it's tailored to serving you up a recipe for success. In today's episode, we're joined again by Denton's colleagues from the UK, Germany and Spain, Perviscani, Sasha Grostian and Juan Alonso Berberena, continuing our focus on employment and labour issues, with today's discussion focusing on collective redundancies during the COVID-19 crisis. Purvis, Sasha, Juan, welcome and thank you for joining us today on the Business Bite series. Purvis, over to you. Thanks again, Miriam, and happy to be back for this podcast. So during this unprecedented economic crisis, employers across many sectors have unfortunately been already been implementing redundancy programs. And we've been seeing that certainly in the UK. And it's predicted that this is this will only increase when a number of the furlough or job retention schemes in various countries come to an end or they taper off. And what we've also found is the rules surrounding redundancies, particularly within Europe, can vary considerably. And this is quite a tricky area. And we often get asked by clients a number of questions in relation to this. I think the first one we, we tend to get asked is, look, what is the process? Is there a process that needs to be followed? And what is the threshold for any process? process. They also ask us, what does this process look like? And finally, we've also seen a lot of clients come asking, well, can they actually make redundancies during this crisis when they're in receipt of COVID-related relief from government? So I thought it would be good to look at these in Germany, Spain, and I'll touch on this in the UK briefly, and look at some of the key issues or questions that employers need to think about when navigating this area of collective redundancies. So Sasha, I'm going to start with you and ask the first question here. Look, does it process need to be followed in Germany? And if so, what is the threshold that employers need to are facing, you need to consider when looking at collective redundancies? Yeah, thank you, Purvis. In Germany, the threshold varies depending on the size of the business. As a bottom line, I would say a collective redundancy rules might apply if at least 5% of the employees could be affected by redundancies. If this threshold is met, the employer is obliged to negotiate a so-called social plan with its works council. If one exists and the social plan defines the compensation payments to which employees who lose their job are eligible. Compensation amounts very often range between 0.5 and 1.0 months gross salary per year of employment. Thank you, Sasha. So Juan, what about Spain? In Spain, a negotiation process with employers' representatives or even trade unions must be carried out where in order to know whether a collective dismissal procedure will have to be undertaken, that there is whole of employees affected should have to be taken into account. In the case that a collective uh, redundancy procedure will have to be carried out, the company must evidence economic, organizational, and business reasons, and also a negotiation with employees' representatives in order to try to reach an agreement with them and state in a social plan will have to be undertaken. Thank you, Juan. Well, just turning to the UK, certainly in the UK, a collective consultation process will need to be followed if an employer is contemplating making 20 or more employees redundant within a 90-day 
30-day period within an establishment. So if there's less than 20 employees to be made redundant, then they might have to go through an individual consultation process. And that would, of course, depend on whether the employee in question has more than two years of service with that employer. So I'm going to move on now, and I'm just going to link this uh, this up with the current crisis. So if an employer is receiving COVID-related relief from the government, would they be prohibited from making redundancies or are there any restrictions they face? So, Sasha, I'm going to throw that out to you. What's the position in Germany on that? In Germany, there is no real prohibition. However, a governmental relief on the short-time work scheme will no longer be available for the respective business area. So, for example, if management decides to close down the finance department and to lay off its personnel in that area, the employer is no longer eligible to benefits for these employees. Instead, the employees can claim their full salary until the end of their respective notice periods. Thanks, Sasha. Juan, what, what about in Spain? In Spain, the only limit that currently exists is applicable to companies that have carried out temporary collective procedures of suspension of employment contracts and or, for example, reduction of working time and salary based on COVID-19 because of four majors. If uh, it would be the case, the companies cannot terminate employees affected by such measures within six months following the reinstatement of each employee. Otherwise, such dismissal could be declared unfair or even null and void. This could affect any new collective dismissal proceeding. These are the key points in these cells. From a UK perspective, there is no prohibition or restriction over here, but the government is encouraging employers to use the government furlough scheme program here in the UK instead of implementing redundancies. But of course, once that comes to end, uh, like I mentioned said earlier, we're going to see most likely an increase in the number of redundancies that are being made. Now, let's move on. I just want to take a high-level look for our listeners at the process for collective redundancies. Juan, are you able to sketch out very, very quickly what the process looks like in Spain. Yes, of course. In a higher level review, there are six basic steps. The first one, filling the legal document requested by the law to the labor authority, which could be involve uh, a carry out of deeply preparation of them, especially with uh, regarding the report that must be drafted. Also, a second step, it would be the negotiation with the employees' representatives to the social plan to try to reach an agreement that it will involve setting up a strategy prior to start the proceeding. As third key point should be holding meetings with the labor inspection to inform the inspector about the situation of the process. Four, closing the process before the labor authority. Five, providing the employees with termination letter and paying the statutory severance compensation or the ones that could be agreed into the negotiation process, as well as perhaps several measures such as outplacement. And six, finally, providing to the Social Security the Unemployment Authority and the public fund with the legal grounds and documents regarding the process that has been carried out. Okay, so Juan, what are the consequences in Spain if they get this process wrong? The employees and also the legal representatives or trade unions may challenge the procedure before the courts. In this case, the court could declare that the procedure is fair and there is no consequences. It could be unfair and the issue is that the company will have to pay the severance compensation for unfair procedures or even null and void. And in this case, it is the worst situation for the company because the employees will have to be reinstated and in addition to this, the salary that accrues from the termination date will have to be 
paid. Thanks, Juan. Uh, Sasha, what about in Germany? Like in Spain, workers' representatives um, play a big role here in Germany. So negotiations with the Works Council usually take three to four months and may even take longer depending on the climate in the company. Besides the collective negotiations, every individual employee is free to file for unfair dismissal in court, even if there is a social plan that does not guarantee that the individual terminations are valid. In many cases, the parties, employer and employee, are will enter into settlement agreements. What would the consequences be if an employee gets this process wrong in Germany? One needs to distinguish, actually. On the collective side, if an employer fails to consult with the Works Council, the Works Council can obtain a court order prohibiting the employer from starting the dismissal process. Individually, employees who win their unfair dismissal case in court get their jobs back. That's the bottom line. Contrary to other jurisdictions, German labor courts cannot just award a severance amount in order to end the employment relationship. Therefore, if a case really goes wrong individually, the employer will just need to offer additional money to the employee to settle these cases and and make the employees leave. Well, thank you. Well, just to contrast that with the UK, the process would depend on the number of employees that are proposed to be made redundant. So if an employer is looking to make between 20 to 100 employees redundant within a 90-day period, it must consult with employee representatives for a period of 30 days. If it's over 100 redundancies, then the consultation period increases to at least 45 days before notice of termination is given. In addition to this, they also the employer must also consult individually with the employees, so not just the employee reps, but uh, individual consultation. And if the employer does not collectively consult, uh, in the UK, the consequences are, I'd say, two key points here. One is the employer could face a claim for up to 90 days pay per employee. And um, the second point, which is uh, very key, in the UK, there is a form that employers have to fill in. It's called a HR1 form when they go through a collective redundancy or when they start a collective redundancy process. And if they don't do that process when they should be, and they don't fill in this form and send it to the government, then actually they could be committing a criminal offence. So that's quite a a big point here in the UK. One other point I just want to mention in the UK is that collective consultation can also kick in if you're looking at making changes to terms and conditions. And I know we looked at this in a previous podcast, but that also can result in collective consultation if making changes to terms and conditions could ultimately result in dismissals as a result of issuing new employment contracts. It's an area that employers in the UK need to navigate carefully and think carefully, not just in terms of redundancies, but much broader changes. I'm going to wrap this up with looking at the key issues that employers should be thinking about in your country. Uh, What would they be? Sasha, I'm going to ask you in Germany, what would you advise? Yeah, Purvis, from an international experience, I'd say there's one key issue that seems to puzzle many international clients, especially if they're from the Anglo-American world. Imagine a case where you have to select five out of 12 employees with the same job description and five need to make redundant. How do you do that? Unlike other jurisdictions, German law does not allow the employer to select these five employees based on performance. Instead, the decision must be made only based on social criteria being age, seniority, marital status, number of children and disabilities. The ECJ has confirmed that this legal concept is not discriminatory under EC rules. Well, interesting. Thanks, Sasha. Juan, what would you advise in Spain? In Spain, I think that the key points should be first stating a long-term strategy regarding the viability of the company. The second point should be evidencing the top reasons. And the third point should be stating 
and a strategy to negotiate with employees, representatives and trade unions. Great. Well, thanks, uh, Juan. I'm just going to wrap up, say, and look at this from the UK perspective. So for UK employers, I would advise three things that they should be thinking about. The first is, when are you contemplating redundancies? That's really important because the minute you contemplate redundancies on a collective scale, then that is when your collective consultation obligation arises. The second point is, I mentioned earlier about this HR1 form, this form you've got to complete and send to the government. If your obligation does arise and you don't fill in this form, it could be a criminal offence and you could be prosecuted. So that is a really, really important point and you do not want to fall foul of that. Finally, the third point is, even if you're not looking at redundancies, but you're looking at changes to terms and conditions at a collective level, then the collective obligations I mentioned about in the UK could actually arise. You've got to think broader than just only redundancies when looking at uh, this area. So I think that wraps up our discussion. Thanks, uh, Sasha and Juan, and uh, thank you for our listeners for listening and stay in touch. Thank you, Purvis, Sasha and Juan. That gives us some real food for thought and we appreciate you taking the time to join us today. To our listeners, we hope you'll join us next time on Business Bites when we discuss the trends we're seeing in dispute resolution and in particular some of the factors influencing companies looking for the best solutions to solve issues during the current crisis. And do keep an eye out for more bite-sized podcasts coming soon. Thank you and stay safe.